Welcome to Beside the Burn for Tuesday, the 7th of September. We're continuing our studies in Genesis this week. Genesis chapter 1 and the whole story of creation. And on Sunday and this week, we're trying to find Jesus within the story. But one thing that we didn't have time to look at on Sunday was, do we actually believe the story of creation as we find it in Genesis chapter 1? Because all of the scientific evidence and all of the generally accepted ideas in society today seem to discount Genesis chapter 1 as a true account of how the world came into being. So as Christians, are we being asked to accept something and believe in something that's out of date? Or do we just simply discount uh, the first chapter of the Bible and then get on with the rest of the story? Or what are we to do with it? So today, we're going to take a little bit of time, delve into the various different ideas that exist and uh, have a look at them. Now, if you're quite happy with Genesis chapter 1 and you don't want to um, think about any of the other ideas that have been put forward, simply skip over this podcast today. Uh, you don't have to listen to it. Uh, but if you do want to think a little bit more about it, then stick with me uh, for the next few minutes as we look at it together. So Genesis 1 verse 1 begins within the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And what we find in Genesis chapter 1 is a very simple and indeed straightforward account of how the world came into being. In the beginning, God. There's no explanation as to how God came about, where he came from. He's simply there and he creates and everything comes into being. As we read through chapter one, we discover that he does all of this in seven days, in fact, six days, and takes the final day, the seventh day, as a day of rest after all that he has accomplished. So, can we still, as Christians, believe this account in the face of all that science would say to us? And I suppose this chapter of the Bible has been attacked so much because if you can take God out of the origins of the earth, then you can almost take God out of every aspect of life. So if you can have a world that's come into being without the need for God, then you don't need him for anything else. So this is a, a key place to attack the Christian story and to attack God himself. And that's why I suppose there's been so much debate on this over the years. And whenever we come to God creating, it seems to all happen very quickly. Six days of creation and everything that we see around us has been brought into being. And the attack seems to be that this took much longer than six days. It has taken millions and perhaps even billions of years for everything to form into place. Take the Big Bang Theory, for example. Maybe 10 to 20 billion years ago, there was the huge explosion that brought all of this matter and brought everything into being. And then over the last 10 to 20 billion years, as all those bits of matter have flown out from that explosion and gathered together and come together, life has come about and then has evolved into what we have today. 
And the reasoning behind that is that if you try to date anything in the world, it appears to have an edge much, much greater than what you would have if you just took the biblical account. So you take a rock, you carbon date that rock, and you find out that it's millions of years old. And that would seem to discount the uh, biblical view because in... Years gone past, uh, Bishop Usher uh, tried to work out how old the earth was. He took all the genealogies that you have in the Bible, put them uh, together, counted up the years of people's lives and worked out that the earth was created in 4004 BC. And people liked that calculation so much that they even printed it in the margin of Bibles. And therefore, it became accepted that Christians believe that the earth is only 4,000, maybe 6,000 years old. And therefore, we can discount their idea of God creating everything. Now, I don't want to put a time scale on how old the earth actually is. But I do want to say that we can take the scientific evidence, we can take the dates that science comes up with, and we can have a perfectly rational explanation for that. Let's imagine for a moment that we are on the earth on the seventh day, the day when God rests and the day when Adam and Eve rest as well. And we're standing there with them looking round at creation. First of all, we look at Adam and Eve. Now, what age are Adam and Eve? Well, they're only a few days old because they've just been created. But they look as though they're maybe in their 20s, maybe in their 30s. So the scientists coming and looking at that would say, well, this earth is at least 20 or 30 years old because look at Adam and Eve. But we know it's just a few days ago. Then we look at the trees and the trees are mature and they're producing fruit. And the scientists will look at that and say, well, this earth has to be at least 50 to 100 years old because look at the age of some of those trees they're huge they're mature they've been here for a long time and yet we know that they're only a few days old because they've just been created but they were created as mature trees then we look at the mountains and we see the moss growing on the rocks and we look at the canyons and we see how the, the streams have cut into the, to the rock and the scientists will say, well, look, that's taken thousands, maybe even millions of years for that to happen. And yet we know it's only a few days ago. So we can both take the same evidence, not dispute the evidence, what the age appears to be, but we can come up with completely different conclusions from it. And that's important to realise. One of the reasons why we need all these millions and, and billions of years is for Darwin's um, theory of evolution and the origin of the species. Because for life to get to the stage where it's at at the moment, you need tiny little changes happening over a very long time. Now with God, we have huge changes happening in an instant, in a very short space of time, but for Darwin, lots of changes over a very long period of time. So that's why it's important for those who are trying to get rid of God to have a long period of time for all these changes to happen. But let's take, for example, the look of the world 
and what we see in the world today. And the theory is that it's taken a long, long time for everything that we see around us to come into being. So, for example, the Grand Canyon, you have a stream flowing through it, and that has taken thousands and millions of years for that stream to erode the canyon a little bit of water over a long period of time. The fossil record. We have fossils that have been embedded in the rocks. And again, the theory is that it has taken thousands and millions of years for that rock to be compacted and for the fossil to form. But in both those cases, we know that there's a flood that is recorded in Genesis, when the whole surface of the earth was covered in a huge amount of water. Even the mountains were covered in water, which means there's a lot of water in a very short space of time. And that water is able to erode canyons. That water is able to compress rock very quickly. And therefore, fossils form and canyons form in a few days that otherwise might have taken millions of years. So again, we have the evidence, we see it before us, but we can come up with a different rational answer to it and it doesn't disprove what we read in Genesis. Now, people have tried to come up with all sorts of ways of bending this opening chapter of Genesis to try and fit in with these theories so that they can say, well, okay, we'll accept your uh, scientific theories, but we don't want to get rid of God. So we'll bend things to try and fit them in. And I just want to share a couple with you here. Um, I'm in no way saying that this is the, the, the truth or this is what happened. I'm just telling you how these things happen. In one of the occasions, we have what's known as the gap theory. And the gap theory happens here between verse 1 and verse 2. And the gap theory goes like this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Then they say there's a massive gap before we get to verse 2. And in that gap, Satan rebels against God. Satan is banished to the earth and Satan takes everything that has been created and he destroys it. Because sin has entered the world, we then have decay and we then have things starting to fall apart and Satan does all of that. And he takes what God has created good and he turns it into the formless, empty darkness over the whole surface of the earth that we read about in verse 2. Then God comes along and takes what has become empty and dark and formless and he then recreates it into something that is good and perfect. Now, there's no evidence for that in the Bible whatsoever, but that's just one theory that someone has come up with to try and fit in with the other evidence. The other thing that some theologians do is to take the word day and try and attribute a different meaning to the word day. So, for example, day, which you and I would immediately take as being 24 hours from beginning to end. Some will say, well, day here is referring to a geological age. It's uh, the day of such and such. So therefore, it can last years upon years and thousands and millions of years one day. 
And each of these um, days of creation take a long period of time. And God, okay, he says, let this happen. But then it evolves and it works its way through. Loads of problems with that. Uh, First of all, whenever you say morning and evening, along with the word day, it always elsewhere refers to 24 hours. So why it should be any different here at the beginning of Genesis, I have no idea. The other problem is that lots of the parts of creation are dependent upon each other. And if you're going to take a million years for day one and then another million for day two, they all become dependent on each other. You need um, sun and you need plants to feed other animals and so on and so forth. And unless you have them all coming together, then the whole of creation starts to fall apart. There's even a theory where the days are the days that God reveals to Moses what he did at creation. And so Moses is writing down an account of God telling him about creation. So on the first day, God tells Moses what he did and then Moses goes to sleep and then the next day God tells Moses a little bit more and then he goes to sleep and so on for the six days and then they rest on the seventh day. And that's how they get round this idea. But the key thing in all of this is that if we want to be able to trust the rest of the Bible, then we've got to accept the opening chapter. If we throw away the opening chapter, then we can't trust the rest of the Bible. We can throw away other parts as well. And it's only whenever we take the Bible as a whole that we have the full plan of salvation. And if we knock away this opening chapter, it actually impacts the salvation that Jesus Christ brings. And that's why it's important to see Jesus here at the beginning of Genesis. Next week, we're going to be looking at where Jesus is in the fall whenever Adam and Eve sin. And that's all dependent on creation and it's all dependent on our salvation as well. So if we read through the opening chapter... It makes sense if we take it the way that we read it in its simplest, most straightforward form. God created everything in seven days and God has placed us here. We haven't become here through chance or through evolution. We're here because God has chosen us to be here and because he has a specific task for us to reflect his image and to show his glory. So let's bow before him in prayer. Lord God, we thank you today for your creation. We thank you that you have created all things and you have created each one of us in your image. We know at times, Lord, that we do not show you as clearly as we should, but we pray that you would help us. Help us, Lord, to point others to you, that they might see you in your glory and splendor and that they might come and trust you. For Lord, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.